If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah, listen. Saturday, July. (laughs) Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz Show live one night only or one afternoon only. Part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3pm. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going up for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3pm. Also 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah. Listen. 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 And get tickets. Buy tickets. Tickets at dogoonpod.com. Let's do it! Yeah! When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode of Do Go On is brought to you by me, Matt Stewart, and my 2020 live comedy show, Monkey House. I'm bringing it to Hobart for Fringe at the Edge of the World at the Republic. Cool pub there on the 9th and 10th of January. Then I'm going to the Brisbane Comedy Festival in Brisbane at the Powerhouse from the 10th to the 15th of March. And back home to Melbourne for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival at the Victoria Hotel from the 26th of March until the 19th of April. You can grab tickets to all of these shows. Come to all of them. Why not? Uh, with the discount code podcast via mattstuartcomedy.com slash gigs. That's mattstuartcomedy.com slash gigs. Anyway, on with the intro. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Do Go On. I'm your host, Matt Stewart. This is a show where we tell you stuff about things, and we've got a bloody cracking episode coming up today. It was recorded live in Leeds at the Wardrobe, a fantastic venue there in the north of England, and we had a great time. Uh, Looking forward to you getting to hear it, and I'll be checking back in with you at the end of the episode to give you some more facts, some quotes, some questions, and shouting out to a few patrons, that sort of stuff. Uh, but in the meantime, enjoy Do Go On Live in Leeds. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. People Woo! of Leeds. Woo! People who definitely haven't already seen me tonight. Are you ready to podcast? Oh, thank God. That would have been so awkward if you said no. Are you ready to welcome to the stage, all the way from Melbourne, Australia, three people, including myself. Please welcome Dave Wadgie, Jess Perkins, and Matt Stewart, and Stu Go On! <laughs> 
and gentlemen, Leeds, how are you doing tonight? Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, thank you so much for coming out and joining us for another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnke and I'm standing here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. What a pleasure to be here. All right. <laughs> I cheered at everything you said. And then there was, I reckon, I made a couple hundred people silent. <laughs> just by being polite. Yeah. I don't know what these people want, these fucking idiots. Right. Okay, yeah. I we get it. I get it now, you dick, dick fuckers. <laughs> but really, uh, that was mixed. That was a mixed response to that one. <laughs> Setting the tone there early. Great, let's all, we'll sit down, let's do this. Thank you. Thank you so now, much. we're just like you. Seated. Uh, Dave, normally to, to kick it off, you explain the show a little bit. Have you, have you seen the show before, sir? No. no. I don't know what it was about you, but I just knew. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was, the, was it the confusion on your face? Yeah. That's yeah. shock. At least it's not disdain. Which is, what I, which is what I'm aiming for tonight, so... They're always in the front row, too. There's always someone in the front row who has no idea what they're doing here. And I respect the hell out of that. You, you as well? Yeah. Thank you so much. You hate him for that. Oh, man. Mate, yeah. how, how many beers have you got stacked up there? Four stacks. Four. four. That stacked. took you way too long to count to four. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. Well, let's, uh, let's get to know you as a, a group now. On the, round of, uh, on the count of three, give me a round of applause if you've ever heard our show before, if you have heard it. Fantastic. Oh no. Oh no. You didn't you didn't count to three. You said on the count of three and then you you just said. Thank you so much. Uh, it took it will take me way too long to count to three. I'm much like this man here. <laughs> Other end of the scale, now don't be shy. Let's not make this man feel like he's the only one. Give me a round of applause on no count of three if you have never heard our show before. Couple people. <laughs> See you had the grace to sit over there. <laughs> Wait, that, that really felt like you were having a crack at this man. No, uh, her. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> as long as the target was clear. <laughs> Front row centre. Honestly, that, that seat should have been for a true believer. <laughs> no, we're kidding. Thank you very much for coming. I appreciate it. You've obviously been dragged and... Um, you just uh, dragged If you need her, help, actually. you yeah. let me know. Um, if he's had a few too many beers. Count them. <laughs> Once he can't count them, we'll get you to a safe place. Um, <laughs> I went dark. I'll shut up for a bit. Well, for, for the people that haven't heard the show before, the few people here, what we do here at the Do Go On podcast is take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by a listener, and tonight it is my good friend Matt Stewart's turn. Oh, you think of me as a good friend? <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's not, I'm always nervous when it's my report and the crowd are going to be like, oh, fuck. No, that, they, but they were very polite about it. They're with it you on this. We were all with you. All right, great. Well, the way we get on the topic, sir, um, is I'll ask a question and then they try to answer and that'll get us onto the topic. If they don't know it, maybe someone in the crowd will, will and will. The question is, who was the original prankster? I also thought of The Offspring straight away. A song that I gave way too much credit for when it came out. And upon re-listening, it's no good. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> That's a good answer. 
Just tricking. Gotcha. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. But that fuck, that would be a real funny way to do a, <laughs> do a report on Jesus. It was the original prankster. I'm keeping that one uh, in the back of my mind. The next time you ask the question, who was the original prankster, we'll know you're doing the Jesus Christ. Yes. Report. 100% that's going to happen. Did the you? Jesus Christ? Yeah. Yeah, originally... I did say I also said report at the end of that sentence, so okay. it didn't make sense. You kind of originally, he was the yeah. Jesus Christ until Justin Timberlake came along and said, drop the the. <laughs> yeah! Woo! So, you, you getting that? Social network? Anyway. Oh. <laughs> when you explain it, you know I mean, it's a good call. Uh, that, that is uh, pretty funny if you get it. And I did not. <laughs> I'm confident you probably don't uh, know this name because I've never heard of it before. Does anyone have any guesses in here? Is it a Roman guy? Yeah, look, to be honest, it's not... He wouldn't be the original. It's from, like, the late 1800s, but... Someone probably pranked pre him, but... I'd... I don't know what you think pranks are. <laughs> but I'd, I'd call what he has done uh, a little more than a prank. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 <laughs> Allegedly. That is important. If this that, one goes public, then that I need covers a... you. That covers you legally. I, I, I'm feeling a little bit stressed up here, and um, fortunately I'm not able to sweat, um, so you can't see that. Um, I was in the Falklands War. Uh, <laughs> cool yep. as a cucumber. Never sweat. Never, never sweat. It was not Prince Andrew, but it was in fact a man named Horace, Horace Dever Cole. Horace Dever Cole is my guess. Um, you always get it. That was it, yeah. yeah. Well was done. Yep. Can you say the name again? What yep. is it? Yeah. Horace Dever Cole. Is that close enough? Close enough, yeah. What did I miss? Uh, you added a V. Did I? Anyway, it was suggested by Callum McDonald and Alastair McGregor. Couple of Maccas, all right, here we go. Horace Dever Cole. All right, so now I'm gonna start telling him about something. <laughs> he probably would have picked that up, but I don't wanna leave any man behind. Or woman. That? Wait, I'm not, I'm confused by the heckle, but I liked it all the same. Look I've, what you've done. I've given him confidence. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> this is the worst thing a heckler can have. <laughs> Horace... <laughs> Horace Dever Cole was born on the 5th of May, 1881, in County Cork. A very good year. Oh, thank oh. you. A very good one, OK. 1881, a very good year. Beautiful Fantastic year. year. So he was born in County Cork, Ireland. His parents were William Utting Cole a British army officer, and Mary Devere. Utting. Utting. <laughs> Love that. His father, William, the Utting, Utting one, died of cholera in India when Cole was but a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but a boy, yeah. But a boy. <laughs> it was a little phase he went through. He thought he'd be a superhero, <laughs> but grew out of it. Uh, Cole's family was full of movers and shakers. His mum... <laughs> was from the Devere family, or Devere, depending on how it's actually pronounced, uh, that once held the now dormant title of Earl of Oxford for centuries. They held it for like centuries, centuries yeah. <laughs> and now it's dormant, will it erupt one day? Or... 
You never know. Uh, his dad's dad got rich in the quinine game. It's pronounced quinoa. Quidditch. Quinoa. <laughs> it's apparently it's the flavour of tonic water and, and maybe a malaria medication, maybe. Yeah, that, okay. There's a scientist in, so that's handy. Okay, and what is the word? Quinine. Quinine. It actually doesn't come up again, but thank you. That's to my own... <laughs> Just in case. Personal knowledge. It's good to know. It glows under UV. It glows under UV. Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Holy fuck, you all sound the same. (laughs) 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 What are you doing? Is that you? Is that one of yours? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I'm so sorry for you guys. You sound like me. Sucked in. Uh, his sister Annie would go on to marry future British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain. Okay, a few Chamber heads in. Uh, his great uncle was an Irish poet of note named Aubrey de Vere. You heard of him? No, I, have you or are you just like willing? His paternal uncle Alfred Clayton Cole would go on to be the governor of the Bank of England. Wow, is this, this is your Kennedy family. This is yeah, amazing. Yeah, very... Everyone in the family seemed to do something big. Um, according to the express.co.uk, a very good source, <laughs> he rebelled against his posh upbringing, becoming a socialist and fierce critic of anyone who took themselves too seriously or wielded authority unfairly. His stated aim was to prick the pompous and the vain. Despite this, Cole was educated at the prestigiously pompous Eton School. Is that... <laughs> school. Sorry, school. If you don't know the school, do you guys know Eton School? Is that a, that's a Prince William School, is it? Uh, yeah, apparently uh, it's famous for having produced 20 British PMs, <laughs> including Pitt the Elder, who is my... I would call the best ever British PM. <laughs> and also the second best ever Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how do you feel about him here? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, my favourite is the one from Leeds. I mean, not every city has a Prime Minister. (laughs) What do you mean? Uh, What? What? I don't understand. Hmm. After Eton, Cole became a lieutenant in the army and rose to the rank of acting captain during the Second Boer War. Uh, On the 2nd of July 1900, he was wounded and recovered in hospital over the following months before leaving the army due to his injuries. He was given £1,800 for his disability pension, which he donated to a fund for war widows and orphans. That's very nice. But was he able to sweat? (laughs) Never again. Never Never again. Did he ever take his daughter to a pizza express? (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. I mean, we can't confirm that he definitely went to a Pizza Express. <laughs> Very controversial thing for a royal to do. The most controversial thing I, I've heard associated with that with him. Is that right? Yeah. Well, don't read any further. Um, <laughs> in 1902, Cole went to Trinity College at Cambridge. This was the setting for his first great hoax or prank. I totally forgot we were talking about pranks. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when does this guy get interesting? Here we go. 
Cole read in a newspaper that the Sultan of Zanzibar was visiting England, so along with his chum, which I assume is what he calls his mates, Adrian Stephen, they hatched a plan to fool the town. To, to set it up, they sent a telegram to the mayor saying, quote, the Sultan of Zanzibar will arrive today at Cambridge at 4.27 for a short visit. Could you arrange to show him buildings of interest and send carriage? And sorry, he was turning up at 4.27. I knew you couldn't let that go. <laughs> you can't get there two minutes earlier or just wait three minutes. I don't know if he can control the trains, man. You're the Sultan of Zanzibar. Yeah, he can control you the train. You can control a train. I think something's been lost in translation here. He's pretending to be the Sultan <laughs> of Zanzibar. What? So the groundwork was done and Cole and Stephen got dressed up in the most Zanzibarian garb they could find. <laughs> Getting robes and turbans from a theatre costume guy named Willie Clarkson. <laughs> Apparently it was one of the best in the biz. Of course. To complete their look, they wore what one article called heavy makeup, which is code. Oh. What, for, for theatre makeup or what's, what's that code for? Yeah, Dave, yeah. Theatre makeup. Theatre, yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong with that, right? A dark shade of. Yeah. Theatre. Just a makeup. foundation that doesn't exactly match your skin tone right. by a lot of shades. Yeah, blackface. Blackface, yeah. yeah. Oh! <laughs> Stephen dressed as the Sultan while Cole posed as his translator. Oh, no. When the, yeah, fuck. <laughs> when they arrived, according to the New York Times, the Cambridge Town clerk or clerk met their train at the station and escorted the royal party with full pomp to the Guildhall where the mayor gave them a formal reception. They didn't think it was weird that the royal party was two dudes. I <laughs> <laughs> thought the Sultan would just travel with one friend. Yeah, surely he would have brought Turtle and E and <laughs> the rest of the gang. <laughs> I did uh, where I read somewhere that they brought a few friends along, but Yeah, right, okay. I like to picture it just the two of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, they then spent the day receiving a guided tour of the university, including their own college. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. There's, there's pictures of them on the wall, and they're like, oh. <laughs> just leaning strategically. During the tour, they were seen by friends, <laughs> but somehow were not recognised. Wow, the blackface was dark. <laughs> Do you, like... Blackface doesn't... It, it looks like white people... It doesn't look like black... You know, it doesn't... Yeah. Like, it's not convincing. You said, you said this guy was the best in the biz. He transformed them. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, it, it actually worked. Like, they, people were convinced that it was the Sultan of Zanzibar. I can't... Yeah, anyway. It is hard to believe that they wouldn't just be so over the top that it's like, this isn't real. <laughs> Apparently the English are pretty gullible. <laughs> Down south. <laughs> oh, fuck, that was close. Um, <laughs> uh, at another point, they were almost caught out when an elderly woman wanted to talk to the Sultan in his native tongue. But according to an article in the Daily Mail, the quick-thinking de Vercole averted disaster by explaining that she could only address the Sultan if she became part of his harem. <laughs> she declined the offer. <laughs> probably, probably a good call yeah. on her part. Yeah. Soon after, 
uh, uh, with less than an hour after arriving, they asked to be returned to the train station. You know, as all <laughs> royals travel. So um, at 5.27, they were yeah. back. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So dumb. It was less than an hour. It could have been 5.22, 5.21. It could have been any of those numbers. 5.20 would have been great. Nah. <laughs> Uh, but they didn't want to commit to the bit and catch the next train to London, so they ran out a side exit, <laughs> jumped in a cab and went to a friend's place to get out of their costumes and returned to school before the 10pm curfew. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> uh, the hoax received media attention in the following days after Cole gave an interview to the Daily Mail. He's like, yeah, I sucked him in. <laughs> the St James Gazette called the joke a most audacious practical joke. <laughs> Feeling embarrassed, the mayor, after the mayor's sort of looking at all these photos with him and showing him around and stuff, the mayor was pretty embarrassed by it. He wanted the pranksters to be punished and thrown out of the school, but the vice chancellor was able to convince him that it would only lead to more negative attention and embarrassment. Mm. The mayor didn't take any further action, meaning the guys basically got away with it scot free. <laughs> was it actually the vice chancellor or was it just someone <laughs> dressed up as him? <laughs> I don't think we should be punishing them. <laughs> so that was, that's one of his better known pranks, one of his first big, big ones, but it's only one of a very long list. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you just gotta wait long enough yeah. and then they'll feel awkward. Yeah. And then one of them will try to get an applause going. It won't pay off, but... <laughs> but they'll try. Yeah. His pranks tended to be at the expense of people he viewed as pompous, often figures of authority or other pretentious types. People co uh, Cole thought needed to be taken down a peg or two. <laughs> One such prank occurred at, at a theatre during a performance of what Cole saw as a pretentious play. Bit of a wank fest, probably, is what he would have called it. <laughs> the way the story uh, is told varies based on the source, but the gist is that Cole gets hold of some tickets to the show. These tickets... Uh, for seats in strategic locations, which he then distributes to a bunch of bald men. <laughs> From the balcony, the bald heads spell out a rude word. <laughs> Do we know the word? It's, it's reported differently, either bollocks or shit. <laughs> Depending on... It depends on how many bald guys yeah. <laughs> How many bald guys are available that day? Uh, the end of the show is us turning around and you see this swear word shaved into the back of our heads. <laughs> I, thought, I, really, I reckon that'll show those crusty old Deans. Yeah. <laughs> Bollocks? Oh dear. <laughs> Another time in London, Cole organised a dinner party, spending a bunch of time deciding who to invite. It's a very particular guest list. And uh, once the party kicked off, he left letting all the guests interact with each other and introduce each other. And they soon figured out that all of them had bottom in their last name. <laughs> <laughs> Charmed, hello, Lord Sidebottom. Oh, I'm Johnny Rearbottom. <laughs> Johnny Rearbottom. First thing you thought of. Any rear bottoms in tonight? Yeah! <laughs> How did, how did I know? <laughs> uh, in January 1910, Cole's chum from Eden, Oliver Locker Lampson, <laughs> was elected to Parliament. Cole was with Locker Lampson when he challenged the newly elected parliamentarian to a foot race down a London street. To sweeten the deal, Cole offered the MP a 10-foot head start. 
Of course, being a Horace de Vercall story. <laughs> I lost control of that. It's a hard name to say. <laughs> Horace de Vercall story. It wasn't a simple foot race. Prior to running, Cole quietly slipped his gold watch into Locker Lampson's pocket. <laughs> then, as the two men began running, with Locker Lampson 10 feet ahead, Cole started yelling, Stop, thief! That's so good. And this is a newly elected MP. Yeah. <laughs> So a policeman uh, promptly stopped Locker Lampson and he was in the process of arresting him before Cole claim, came clean telling him it was all just a joke. I'm the original prankster, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then he handed him a business card? Yeah. <laughs> After the cop realised, uh, released the politician though, Cole started waving a stick around like he was conducting an orchestra. <laughs> it's a real mad dog. <laughs> this was enough for the cop to change his mind and he arrested both men. <laughs> He was, he was holding a stick. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. What's, what's the charge conducting without a permit? What's the... Apparently, it was um, he was uh, seen to be moving his stick around in a dangerous manner. <laughs> Locker Lampson was released without charge, though, while Cole was found guilty of a breach of the peace and fined five pounds. Ridiculous. Which in today's money is probably a little bit more than that. For 15, waving a stick around. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dumb. This all brings us up to his most famous prank. Oh, my whistle has been wet by these early pranks. Yeah. A couple of little hors d'oeuvres to get us ready. <laughs> <laughs> that same year, Cole pulled off his piece de resistance, which is French for piece of resistance. <laughs> I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that's true. Anyone speak French? No, so we'll never know. So we'll never know the truth. I'm pretty confident. Um, it's what is now known as the Dreadnought hoax. As well as being an Australian heavy metal band, Dreadnought was also... <laughs> ..was also the name of a new class of ship in Britain's Navy in the early 20th century. Britain's Navy in the early 1900s was apparently the envy of the world and one of the foundations of the Empire's strength. The Dreadnought built on this foundation, with the new ship being described, according to the BBC, as the most deadly fighting machine ever launched in the history of the world. Yeah, God bless. God seen Gareth. You've not seen Gareth. I've not, okay. And then a very tall, skinny man <laughs> did this. <laughs> yeah, I'm shit scared, Gareth. You've not seen Perko. All right, I now know how the show ends tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Me killing Gareth. <laughs> His name's Gareth. I'm scared. <laughs> Not Gareth. <laughs> Release the Gareth. <laughs> yeah, okay, I hear it now. That is scary. Um, the Britannica. All right, I've added the it Britannica. Wow. The Britannica states the Dreadnought immediately made all preceding battleships obsolete. Wow. See you yeah. later, battleships. Yeah, you'd have to be one of the previous ones. Do they all get to retire? Ones. 
Yeah. There's just one ship left in the whole world. That's kind of nice. The dreadnought became a powerful national symbol for the British people. This is you guys. Yeah! Any dreadheads in? (laughs) Uh, Its unveiling drew an enormous... (laughs) I added a second anim. For just to really underline Mm. how enormous it was. And an enormous. (laughs) Its unveiling drew an an enormous (laughs) crowd. And this power was even harnessed by advertising executives. Historian Jan Ruger has listed examples of... (laughs) Jan Ruger! (laughs) 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 Sorry, sorry. Matt missed an accent on her name, so... <laughs> I forgot how much talking I was going to do. I've overestimated how many beers I can drink. Uh, so, according to historian Jan Ruger, uh, <laughs> there are plenty of examples of where the dreadnought was used uh, by marketing types, uh, including for OXO stock cubes, where they used the slogan, Drink OXO and Dreadnought. That's pretty good. <laughs> Is that a pun? Yeah, yeah, so it's a play on words, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, he calls everything a pun. I'm right, aren't I? It's more nuanced than that. Is it? Is this the time to have the convo? Can anyone, like, concisely explain what a pun is to me? Yeah, that, that is a pun. It is just wordplay. And puns are wordplay. Oh. <laughs> Someone saying it's wordplay, but this is a play on words. <laughs> and I think they're saying there's a difference between I the I forgot two. that your culture is actually built around puns. <laughs> I love them here. Yeah. <laughs> Does everyone actually go to the Christmas pantomimes? Yeah. So, we see signs of them everywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I get it. <laughs> That is good fun. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that every year and still enjoy myself. Yeah, no one to kill myself. This is where Shakespeare was from. <laughs> but it, yeah, that was a lot of Shakespeare too. Was it really? No. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, a, both, uh, both of them you have to suspend a lot of belief. Okay. And disbelief? Got to suspend belief. (laughs) You are not driving us home. (laughs) Suspend your belief. You will not disbelieve what you're about to see. You will not disbelieve. (laughs) Is that a pun? No, I know it's not. I know it's not. Ah, this guy's furious. He he needs he needs people to understand what puns are and aren't, (laughs) and their wordplay, not play on word. Anyway, a tailoring business also used a slogan uh, around that time. Well, let's find out. Dreadnought and wear British clothing. It's basically the same pun. (laughs) What a vague advertisement. Wear British clothing. Yeah. Any, any. (laughs) Ours if you want it. um... Oh, yeah, soft sell. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Negum, you know, like... Negum. Are <laughs> uh, you wearing those shoes with that hat? Good yeah. luck. <laughs> anyway, want to make out? <laughs> Am I doing it right? <laughs> I only read the first chapter. You wear no 
shoes with that hat. Am I in the right ballpark there? Which one is it? Is this the secret or is this the game? Doesn't matter. Two very good good reads. Um, The game. The game. (laughs) Hey, don't hate the... Hate the... The C.F. Martin Guitar Company released their top-of-the-line acoustic guitar around this time, calling it Dreadnought. Oh. After the ship. That's they why it's relevant. guitar after a ship. Yeah, because it was big and top-of-the-line and a world-beater and the best. Oh, okay. And a, an acoustic guitar. Is that why last night or earlier, I can't remember when it was, we are driving along today and in Glasgow night. there was a, a guitar shop, picture of a guitar, and a Martin acoustic guitar, and you said you know what kind of guitar that is? What style? And I said, oh, I think it's a Dreadnought. And you just went, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes... Yeah! Then he went kind of quiet in the back seat and went... <laughs> Honestly, those two things are not related. <laughs> Since then, it has been mimicked... By, that style of guitar has been mimicked by most other... Gu- Acoustic guitar manufacturers, this style of guitar is now known as Dreadnought, regardless of the manufacturer. Fun fact, early, huh? Yeah! Jeez, look at them having fun out there. A smattering of applause, thank you so much. That back pocket of... They've got my back. Yeah. These front... Motherfuckers, no. up to six. (laughs) Thank you so much. Someone just said you got this. He was talking to the guy drinking. (laughs) Mate, you you got got this. this. (laughs) You got this. Anyway, point is, the Dreadnought was an important ship to the British Navy and guitars and whatever. Yes. And also the British people. What we were talking about. Pranks. Yes. I think something's going to happen to the Dreadnought. (laughs) Were you talking about the Australian metal band? Yes. Yeah, it's true. They're going to have mild success over many years. (laughs) Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace (laughs) makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write stuff for a website and make myself look good, well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant personalized results that highlight your brand identity you can explain what your site's about choose your tone enter what you need and bang you got some short and long form text baby so squarespace ai makes it easy to go live stand out and succeed online i'm so glad you had that bit because i thought it was pronounced squarespace ai (laughs) (laughs) anyway sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses 
or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words as <laughs> intended, like PDFs, musics, or ebooks. I would love to buy Matt's ebook. I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you you can do that. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Be more like Matt. Oh, one hundred and one. Wow. Yeah. How many? One, does it go to one hundred and two? It goes all the way to one hundred and two. Wow. <laughs> you can customize everything with next generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love, and then set the price. You can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt one hundred and one? Oh, three mil. Wow. Wow. Like per month or? Yeah, USD. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash do go on. Um, so, yeah, the British people love this dreadnought. Is anyone here old enough to remember when the dreadnought was king? <laughs> You am him. You am him the ship. I'm going to stop asking you questions. Uh, so the British people found him very important, so much so that someone like Horace... Oh, my God! What's wrong with you? Well, that's two of us that aren't driving home. Horace Verdicol might see it as needing to be taken down a peg or two. He's going to take this ship down. Oh, no. Do you... <laughs> he reckons the ship's a bit pompous. Yeah, he's going to take it down a notch, this mate. Got a real, this ship's got a real ego. Yeah, oh yeah, big time. Do you remember Adrian Stephen from just before? Yes, he's chum. Yes. Uh, his sister, Adrian Stephen's sister... Adriana. ...was Virginia Stephen. Oh, close. Later to marry a man named Wolf. Oh. Making her Wolfie Lady Man. <laughs> Virginia Wolf. Um... <laughs> Famous for being portrayed by our Nicole in the film Hours or something. Haven't seen it, but... They did, Nicole Kidman, National Treasure. Yeah! They hate Nicole. I hate Nicole. She won an Academy Award for that so portrayal. It's boring! She's very beige. So, like, she's got... There's something in her basement, you know? Ba beige to you is a serial killer? <laughs> What? <laughs> or do you mean she just has storage? Yeah. Beige paint. Oh. Oh. You do she not fuck with Nicole Kidman. <laughs> do not us. fuck with her. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Nicole. Nicole. <laughs> oh no, we're in Nicole's basement. <laughs> we didn't know. Oh. It's like that movie that she's in where we were ghosts all along or something. Are you talking about uh, Tony Collette in The Sixth Sense? No, what am I talking about? Oh, I cannot understand what they say. Oh, the others, yes. Holy shit, it sounds like they're saying something else. All right. It sounds like they're saying the others. Oh, I fucking love your accent so much. Thanks for translating. Was that an echo? Six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it went loose, 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 lo
Anyway, so Virginia Woolf is Adrian Stevens' sister. In 1940, Woolf spoke about the origin of the Dreadnought hoax, remembering that some officers of the Dreadnought and another uh, naval ship, the Hawk, had a bit of a feud, saying, quote, Cole's friend, who was on the Hawk, had come to Cole and said to him, you're a great hand at hoaxing people. Couldn't you do something to pull the leg of the Dreadnought? They want taking down a bit. Ships don't have legs. <laughs> How the fuck do you prank a ship? <laughs> it doesn't give a ship. <laughs> That's a pun! That's a pun! That is a pun! This is the only country you get away with that in. Yeah. Try and tell me that's not a fucking pun. In Australia, honestly, that would get a boo in Australia. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Co- I like being here. They would take away Jess's comedy license for that. <laughs> uh, so, so this man who, who went to Cole ended up saying, "Couldn't you manage to play off one of your jokes against them?" And this must have been music to Cole's ears because he started planning a big old prank, <laughs> and it, it pretty much resembled the earlier Zanzibar hoax. Uh, so to... he, sh- he dressed up as a ship. <laughs> said, hello, it's me, the Dreadnought. He's wearing grey face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am made of metal. And it was really awkward because he accidentally had booked two ship dates that same night on the <laughs> either side of the dock. To do so, he recruited a group of friends, including Adrian Stephen, Virginia Stephen, later Wolf, future barrister Guy Ridley, soldier Anthony Buston, and painter Duncan Grant. Grant, Wolf, and Stephen were all associated with the influential Bloomsbury Group. Familiar with that? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, they're uh, modernist people. Yeah. Uh, the costuming skills of Willie Clarkson were again employed. No. Turbans, fake beards, and yes. Blackface. <laughs> Once again used in an attempt to resemble the Abyssinian royal family. So you say Abyssinian. Abyssinian. Thank you. <laughs> Apparently the stage makeup was fragile, meaning the group couldn't eat for fear of it rubbing off. How the fuck do they eat? They d- Is that how they do it? Yes. Okay. A telegram was sent to the commander-in-chief of the home fleet writing, Prince Macallan of... What did you say? Abyssinia. 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 And Sweet arrive at 4.20 today. <laughs> Weymouth. He wishes to see Dreadnought kindly arrange meet them on arrival. Despite the message misspelling Abyssinia... <laughs> I missed one S. That's probably why I was pronouncing it wrong. Uh, the message seemed to work. Uh, there's an interesting note in Peter Stanksky's book that discussed the events, saying that Cole found a post office staffed by women only to send the telegram. Telegram? telegram? <laughs> I've been here like four days and I'm already speaking like them. <laughs> so his logic was that women were going to be less likely to ask questions. And he was right, they didn't. And I can say that as a feminist. Cole, <laughs> Cole dressed in a top hat and tails, went along with the fake Ab- <laughs> Abyssinian entourage. 
to Paddington Station in London, telling a staff member at the station that he was Herbert Commondelli of the Foreign Office and that he needed a special train to take them to Weymouth. The station master obliged, arranging them a VIP coach. Imagine that. We should try that. Yeah. They'd have a spare train sitting there. Yeah. Arriving in Weymouth, they were greeted with a naval honour guard. According to the Daily Mail, once they'd arrived, the naval top brass suspected nothing and the royal guests were duly ushered aboard for a full tour of the ship and its famous guns. In response to descriptions of the Dreadnought's awesome firepower, the visitors reportedly nodded appreciatively and replied, Bunga Bunga. (laughs) Remembering they're still in blackface. (laughs) Virginia Woolf is in this with a... Virginia Woolf in a beard and blackface is going around saying Bunga Bunga. She's one of your like most famous writers. And also was played by Anna Cole. <laughs> uh, things got nervy on the ship when a group uh, when the group were invited to lunch. Oh no. Knowing that this would spell disaster for their makeup. A quick-thinking Adrian Stephen, posing as the interpreter, explained that eating would be unacceptable on religious grounds. And they accepted that. We don't eat. We don't eat. Yeah. Uh, we're religious. Yeah. Um, if we eat, well, the chef will have to join our harem, I'm afraid. <laughs> that is a rule. They also showed their appreciation uh, to the naval officers by attempting to give them fake military honours. Like I was attempted. The military didn't accept them, obviously. <laughs> no, thank you. No, no, thank you. No. Adrian and Virginia's cousin, Naval Commander Willie Fisher, was present throughout, <laughs> but failed to recognise his close at Willie relatives. Fisher? <laughs> Their cousin was in the tour. He didn't recognise his two close cousins. That makeup dude is really good. Virginia was wearing a beard. So yeah, she was pretty well hidden. Uh, It wasn't until later that the prank was revealed, with Cole sending a photo of the group in costume to the Daily Mirror. (laughs) Looking at the photo, it is wild to think that they weren't uncovered. Uh, The prank led to much embarrassment and ridicule for the Royal Navy, and much like the Cambridge mayor, the Navy demanded the perpetrators be arrested. But as they hadn't technically broken any laws at the time, they once away got away with it. Barring a symbolic ass spanking by junior Roy- uh, Royal Navy officers. <laughs> I mean, they, they fully got away with it, except for just a tiny little... What Do you, does your Navy still spank people? Is that a... Allegedly. 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 <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I was uh, spanked so hard in the Navy, I uh, lost the ability to sweat and... Um... <laughs> Isn't it amazing that nothing they did there was illegal? Fooling the Navy by pretending, like impersonating a royal and being in blackface. All of that was above board, apparently. Um, That was his grandest prank, probably. But throughout his life, Cole also performed much smaller pranks, including this one, as told by the Daily Mail. A regular prank was to wander the streets with a cow's udder poking through his fly. Do you just mean like a little teat or a full udder? <laughs> I was picturing just a teat, but <laughs> a full udder. <laughs> oh, what's happening there? Uh, at the moment of optimum outrage, he would then produce a pair of scissors and snip off the offending protrusion. 
friends who's really fun in small doses. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, it's a bit of fun, but uh, uh, share house, no yeah. thank you. Yeah, does not turn off. He's yeah. on, he's always on. Uh, future Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain was later asked by Cole's sister Annie what he thought of her brother. He later recalled, I was obliged to say what I did think. But fortunately, it appeared that her opinion was the same and she was not all inclined to be proud of her brother's exploit. It appears that he is 28. I think he must be a little mad. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> In 1918, when Cole was 37, he married an 18-year-old Irish heiress named Denise Lynch. <laughs> Good instincts there. Yes, it is creepy, yes. Oh, right. <laughs> well, what are they doing? Is it because she's Irish or...? Dave's I... waiting until he's 38 to take a younger bride. Hey, Dave. No. Maybe Leeds, 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 Leeds will be available by Don't you paint me like that. <laughs> so, would you rather I paint you in blackface? <laughs> I prefer greyface, thank you very much. <laughs> so, they, they were married. 37-year-old uh, Cole, 18-year-old Lynch. And on their honeymoon in Venice, Cole left his bride one night to perform another prank. <laughs> Just going out for a prank, see you in a minute. <laughs> Can I get you anything? Yeah. anything? <laughs> he went, on their honeymoon, he couldn't... He couldn't hold it back. Take a fucking holiday, buddy. Yeah. You know, switch off. <laughs> He's got to go drill a hole in a gondola or something. <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> this is hilarious. When the moon hits your eye. <laughs> I don't know a real Italian song, so I just sang that one. Well, I'm actually um, 118th Swiss Italian, so... Um... Oh, I think it's 116th. Sorry. So I could, I could tell you a few. Um, uh, va bene amore. Uh, oh. Si senorita. <laughs> there are a couple of big hits, but I could... So it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful language. It's a beautiful language. Uh, lasagna la beautiful. <laughs> Is this borderline racist? I did tell them I was one, one sixteenth. Swiss Italian. Yeah, but they can hear the sound coming out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of gives a different impression, if I can be honest. Ah, uh, va bene, va bene, va bene. <laughs> allora. The prank this time on his honeymoon was to travel to the Italian mainland to purchase horse manure before returning to Venice with it and sprinkling it around the town under the cover of darkness. His, wife, his wife's now sleeping. He's taken a boat back to the mainland to buy horse manure. <laughs> Come, come back, back, sprinkled it around town. <laughs> he has got them. <laughs> so Venice was a city without horses, you see. This is the prank. So okay. locals would have woken up the next morning confused. <laughs> Why, all the horse poop? And he would have been there going, psych! <laughs> and they would have been saying, sorry, I know... Uh, <laughs> Uh, no English. Come to chiami, mi chiamo Matteo. It's one of the phrases I remember from my childhood as a Swiss Italian boy. <laughs> Cole and Lynch had a daughter named Valerie together, but when Cole's property investments in Canada went sour in 1928, the marriage fell apart. She dropped him as soon as he went sort of bankrupt. Oh, okay. 
But she was rich. Kids, am I right? Yeah. Wasn't she an heiress? Yeah. So why did she need him for the money? Well, I guess, you know, that's all he had. I don't know. Um, <laughs> probably also he went pranking on their honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cole, Cole moved to France, kind of... He kind of exiled himself. He moved over to France. And at the age of 50, he married once again. This time, a little older. A 23-year-old. <laughs> Relatively younger, but, you know, literally older than the 18-year-old at the time, but actually younger than her now. Yes. Her name was Mabel Wright. But as the Daily Mirror writes, and also the Daily Mail, which is more accurately what this one is called, in this marriage, the joke was on him when his second wife gave birth to a son. The child, it turned out, had been fathered by another man, the artist Augustus John, a friend of Cole's. <laughs> Joke's on you, yeah. Dickhead. The ultimate prank! prank. Yeah! <laughs> the got, got him, pranks. got him, got him. The New York Times also cruelly points out that in the end, even the strategies of subterfuge that had seen Cole through a lifetime of practical joking began to betray him. The ordinarily restrained Dictionary of National Biography reports that Cole's, quote, advanced deafness prevented him from realising that his carefully timed coughing was inadequate to cover his explosive breaking of wind. <laughs> We've all tried to cover a fart with a cough. <laughs> But all good things must come to an end. Aww. And in 1936, at the relatively young age of 54, Horace Devere Cole died of a heart attack. A year later, his brother-in-law, Neville Chamberlain, would become the PM, and the Daily Mail observes, what a pity for that bleak era in British history that Verda Cole was not around to lighten the mood. Ah, yes. <laughs> the end. Matt Stewart, everybody. <laughs> I like to finish on a real high note. Crank. <laughs> yeah. Remember when he pretended an udder was his dick? <laughs> and then cut it off? Did he start screaming when he did that? Yes. Yes, he did. That does sound fun. We have the day off tomorrow. <laughs> Want to go pranking? Yeah. Anyone got any spare udders? <laughs> are, we, are we in udder country? What's Leeds' big thing? Udders, yep. Great. Well, we've Perfect. come to the right place. That Perfect. works out really well. And also, of course, Mark Viduka. But not the other one where I've been told I should not mention the other Australian Leeds player. Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Do not say that. Harry Kuehl. Apparently he's a real dog. They don't give a fuck. I forgot that our audience doesn't give a shit about sport. <laughs> Apart from that guy. <laughs> I think the show's over now. Oh, it's behind you. <laughs> Thank you. Leeds, 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 Leeds. Leeds, 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 Leeds. <laughs> How are we doing on the back? Nah, she's oh, dead. Um... <laughs> She's gone. Past oh, her bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> she had a 10pm curfew. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming out, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to say uh, thank you very much one more time. And until next time, I'll say goodbye. Later. Bye. Cheers.
what a fantastic show. Uh, compliments to the chef there. We had a really fantastic time in Leeds and uh, really on the whole UK and Ireland tour, uh, would recommend doing it yourselves if you ever do get the chance to tour a podcast across those fantastic aisles. Uh, you should. You really should. But before I close out the show this week, I've got a few fun things to tell you about, including everyone's favourite segment of the show. It's the fact quote or question section of the show. And to get in on this action, you can go to patreon.com. Thank you. I almost forgot. Patreon.com slash pod, And you can support the show there in a number of ways, different levels, get you different rewards. There's things like bonus episodes. We do two a month now. You can also get in on a, a private Facebook group where there's a lot of chat every day about different do-go-on-ish uh, subjects and a bunch of other things, including shout-outs. But this one, uh, if you're on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Package level, you can, rest in peace, you can give me a fact, a quote, or a question, and that is exactly what the following two people have done. Firstly... A uh, long-time fact, quote, or questioner, Kevin Ulysses Packrad, and you also get to give yourself a title, and Kevin has given himself the title of an ordinary man except I'm actually a bagel. Whoa, you sound delicious, Kevin. And he has offered us uh, not a fact, not a question, but a quote, and this is that quote. <clears throat> I don't read him until I read him, so in case I fumble, that's my excuse. Uh Kevin writes, Kevin the Bagel writes, this is one of my favourite quotes from the Wes Anderson film The Grand Budapest Hotel. Please read it in a fancy British accent. Okay. <clears throat> Can do. You're playing on my strong suit there. I'm the man not only of a thousand noises, but I also do 17 different voices. So that's a lie. I do about six. Six different voices. But here's one of those. Let me get that quote back up here. Uno momento. Okay. What did you, you wanted a, a fancy British accent? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Been watching a bit of The Crown. I've finished season three of The Crown, so I'll merge all of the characters from that into one voice here. <clears throat> you see, there are still faint glimmers of civilization left in this barbaric slaughterhouse. It's kind of a bit South African there. That was once known as humanity. Indeed, that's what we provide. Rook Churchill. That's what we provide in our own modest, humble, insignificant... Oh, fuck it. That's a quote from Gustav H. I think I, I appreciate uh, everyone listening through this part of the show. I'm sure that everyone's still tuning in and would have really enjoyed what I did there. I was kind of imagining if Winston and Lizzie had a like a South African child. Um, and there's nothing fancier than that in terms of British accents. Thank you so much, Kevin. Hopefully that is what you were looking for. <laughs> so I hope I sounded a bit distracted there. I've zoomed in too far on my screen. I can't get it to shrink, shrink, damn you, shrink, but it won't. Anyway, I'll I'll get through this. I've gone through tougher times, <laughs> even than having too much zoom on my screen. Uh, the second fact quote or question comes from RT, 
and he's or she's given themselves or she has given themselves the nickname or sorry the title alien overlord welcomer uh and again a quote another quote fantastic uh the quote is oh they say hi i'd like to i'd like you guys to read my favorite quote it's from terry pratchett's night watch and i hope you enjoy it as much as i did Terry Pratchett, I've been keen to do a Terry Pratchett episode of Primates at some point because the librarian, a bunch of people have told me, is an orangutan. And there's also been talk, maybe it would be cool if we can get a a book cheat. Anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) This uh, quote from RT is from Nightwatch, Terry Pratchett's book. And it goes like this. You'd like freedom, truth and justice, wouldn't you, comrade sergeant, said Reg encouragingly. I'd like to be a hard-boiled egg, said Vimes, shaking the match out. There was some nervous laughter, but Reg looked offended. In the circumstances, Sergeant, I think we should set our sights a little higher. Well, yes, we could, said Vimes, coming down the steps. He glanced at the sheets of paper in front of Reg. The man cared. He really did. And he was serious. He really was. But, well, Reg, tomorrow the sun will come up again. And I'm pretty sure that whatever happens, we won't have found freedom. And there won't be a whole lot of justice. And I'm damn sure we won't have found truth. But it's just possible that I might get a hard-boiled egg. (laughs) It's a good quote. It's It's a passage. That was fun. I didn't. I don't know if I fully took it all in as I was reading it, but I'll uh, I'll read that again privately soon. But yeah, no, that is true. You um, freedom, truth, and justice unlikely to come to you overnight. Hard boiled egg. I mean, it's all about keeping your expectations in check, I suppose. Fantastic quote. Thank you so much, RT, our new alien overlord welcomer. Uh, something else we like to do in the, uh, the end section of the show is to thank a few Patreons. And uh, this week we normally do a game that Jess comes up with. I guess it would be appropriate for us to, us being me sitting here by myself, to do some sort of a, some sort of prank related thing. Maybe I'll, I'll give, uh, each of the shout outs a certain prank, uh, starting with, sorry, I forget that I've, um, well, we, we had a few, uh, holes in our system the way that Patreon sorts the uh, names via date seems to throw up some random holes. So I've been going back through and finding all the people we've missed over the years. So I've just got to go find who it is. Okay, so this week, I'd love to thank a long-time supporter, waiting very patiently, I'd have to assume, from Bingham in Nottinghamshire in Great Britain. It's Benjamin McRobbie. Uh, so he's been waiting for a good couple of years. So I really appreciate that very much, uh, Benjamin. And maybe what's your prank? Okay, maybe uh, your dad, right? Benjamin's got his dad's hats and he put them all in a bag and he put the bag of hats uh, up above a door and then when his dad goes through that door, all the hats fall down on, um, on his dad. And that is a pretty good prank. <laughs> oh, that is very good, Benjamin. I wish I was there to see the look on their face uh, as those hats came tumbling down. Quite a collection too, as I understand it. So many hats, many, many hats, um, but not where they should be, up on the hat stand. No, no, no. They are all falling all over 
the dad. <laughs> that is very good stuff. Well done, Robbie. I uh, love that one very much. Thank you so much for your support over these many years. Uh, who else have we got here? Who else has been waiting patiently? Let's scroll down here. Oh, okay, from Two Harbors in MN, USA. MN, I'm going to guess, is Minnesota. Minnesota. I'd love to thank Nathan Hansen. Nathan Hansen, you bloody legend. And your prank, of course, quite actually I think it made the papers when you took one car. You took just the one car. Uh, to start with, you got to start small. And you uh, tipped it on its roof. And uh, all the people came out and they were like, what is that car on its roof? And uh, but the thing was, you were still inside the car and you, uh, you, you were asleep. And that threw extra confusion into it. Even you didn't know how to explain that part because you really should have got away from the prank. But no, you remained there at the scene of the crime asleep inside the car and it was spinning around on its roof. And uh, the person whose car it was, uh, who was your third cousin, was pretty upset. But you you still, you know, look back and laugh now. And that's the main thing. And thanks so much for your support, Nathan Hansen, you bloody legend from Two Harbors, Minnesota, or somewhere at least in the United States of America. I'd also love to thank another patiently waiting supporter of the show from Dundee in Scotland. Uh, Dundee, I know there's a, a Stuart, my name's Stuart, uh, surname Stuart is actually a Scottish name, has Scottish roots. And Dundee, there's a, a Stuart whiskey there, Stuart's Dundee decanter. I've never been able to get my hands on one. Scott, if you're down in the shops and you see one, feel free to grab it and I'll I'll pick it up off you next time I'm in town. Uh, did I say your name? I'm saying Scott as if that's just the, I mean, that is where you're from. You're a Scott, but your name is also Scott McFarlane, if I didn't already say that. Scott McFarlane of Dundee in Scotland. Your prank, of course, was you went for a swim and you told everyone you were going for a swim and you did go for a swim. That's not the prank. The prank is hopefully going to be the next thing I say, and that is that during the swim, you just kept going. Um, you kept going and going. You, you said you were just going out for a little swim. You're going to surf back. But you kept swimming and you swam all the way to the neighboring Isle of Wight, which I believe is somewhere in the vicinity of Scotland. And that is quite a prank. You should have seen the looks on their faces, which you couldn't because you were, you were some miles away, uh, anywhere from a couple of miles up to hundreds of thousands of miles, depending on how good or bad my geography is. Anyhow, thank you so much, Scott McFarlane. Your support, and I don't mean this lightly, means a lot to us. It really does. It means a whole bloody lot. Uh, maybe that's enough uh, for this week, just the three, because I'm, I'm only one man. You don't want to hear me just doing a bunch of these rambling on. So we'll uh, get back into that next week when the whole crew are around. My superior officers, uh, Jessica and... <laughs> I was going to... I was going to call her Jessica Simpson. Jessica, what's her surname? Perkins. And David Warn a key. And I can't wait to see him again. I'm feeling a little lonely. The other what, last thing, actually, I was almost going to get out of here before my time because the last thing we've got to do is thank a couple of members, welcoming them into the Triptych Club. These Patreon supporters have been supporting us now for over three years uh, there's just a couple to be uh, entered into the club this week, and they are uh, from Australia's capital city, Canberra, 
Anna Casey, and also from Leeds in West Yorkshire, Isaac Smith, who we also thanked uh, belatedly last week. So, Isaac, geez, all your Christmases have come at once, which is nice because it was around Christmas time, so that does make some sense. Um, Thank you so much, Anna and Casey, or Anna Casey, and Isaac Smith. Anna and Casey, Isaac and Smith, uh, you two... Uh, the bloody tops. And Dave is starting to say that he's not going to do it, but I'm, I'm going to hold him to it. He said he would put all the Triptych members on a plaque thing on our website, maybe in gold writing, maybe not, but, you know, probably in a relatively fancy font. Anyhow, I can imagine you are not enjoying me droning on, so I will wrap it up now. Thank you so much for joining us again. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We will be back again next week with another fun, bloody time. And I can't wait. For one, I for one cannot wait. And uh, we look forward to seeing you then. If you want to get in contact us with us, you can do via Do Go On Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also email us at dogoonpod at gmail.com. And you can also, you know, just look out your window longingly and um, imagine we're there in the, in the middle distance. E- either an... All of those options are viable. But until next week, I will say goodbye and laters. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.